what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange, a monthly conversation about startups and small businesses with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. My name is Jeff Newville. I'm your co-host, and I'm the, the director of the Small Business Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who is dean of the School of Business and Industry at Catawba Valley Community College. Gary, how is it going today? Jeff, it's doing fantastic. A beautiful fall weather. Uh, football season hasn't been too great for my teams, but it is beautiful weather. Your teams, as I recall, Wake Forest is one of your teams. Yes, and we haven't won in a month. Well, you know, it's uh, basketball season is coming. I am excited about basketball season and Danny Manning. No, it's good. So that'll be fun. Uh, we've got a good show going today. We're going to clean an article off of our desk and talk about that for a little bit. Then uh, we've got Russ Siegel, who is the founder and grand poobah of the Premier Entrepreneurship Group in Cullowee, North Carolina. And Russ is going to talk to us about marketing for your small business. And then we'll finish up with some some uh, interesting small businesses of the month. So Looking forward to it. It's going to be a great show. So, Gary, you were going through Entrepreneur Magazine this month and yeah, saw an November article, issue. November issue, and you found some things that caught your eye. Uh, what, yeah. uh, what, uh, what was interesting this month? There are a couple of really good articles, and the one I wanted to talk about uh, in this show is, are we on to something big? And, I, you know, it's a lot of things that you hear over and over, but it's important things. There are five ways to evaluate whether we've picked the next great business idea. Is one like when Donald Trump or Mark Cuban comes in and throws a big check at you, or are there different things that it's that similar to that, right. but a little bit different? Right. Uh, that was, always works no matter what. Uh, but the first one was your idea solves a problem. Sounds pretty straightforward, but you know what? There are a lot of ideas that people have and say, hey, this is really neat but it really has to solve something or have some value to it. Okay. I'm, I'm with you on that. The second one is you're in it for the long haul. I think that's important too, because we work with a lot of folks that say, Hey, I've got an idea, but they aren't really necessarily committed to it for the long term. They want to do it part time or, uh, and there's nothing wrong with doing it part time, but they're really not focused for what it might take to get there uh, down the road. So if I've got a great idea for a new rotary phone, that's probably not going to be there for the long haul. Uh, not unless you can come up with a new tweak or alternative that somebody hasn't thought of. Okay, well, I, I, that would be good. Obviously, number three is, are people anxious to get their hands on the product? Again, it's another one that, you know, people really have to be interested. I've got a idea like the Segway. Mm-hmm. Great idea, neat idea, but is it a marketable one? My brother worked for that company, and he said, you know, it was a inventor, and he had some great ideas but they weren't necessarily business marketable. And that's sort of like the little cart that you can sort of sit, stand in and it sort of drives you around. And yes, and it was going to be the greatest thing in the world. It was going to help people in cities because you can't get cars, you can't park. But he didn't think about, well, there's going to be some safety issues uh, no, driving I'm, one of them in New York City. Well, and I've, I've gone to some cities and I've seen where they do tours on segways of some of the yep. city areas. I mean, I guess they've... They've had some progress, but it's not like it's been adopted by a great deal of people. Exactly. And that's, it is uh, a product that's working well, but it wasn't the uh, change of the world that he thought it was going to be. The fourth one is you've got to keep it simple. And you listen to the people. Again, we hear about that and talk about it all the time. Try to not overcomplicate 
the product and also listen to people and how you can tweak it and not be so uh, stubborn that it's got to be my way or the highway. Makes sense. And then the last one is, is the timing right? Sometimes it isn't the right time for that product. Maybe it needs to be tweaked or maybe there's a different market for it. A lot of products that were introduced in 2008, 2009 probably didn't get off the ground like they would have because of the recession and the different issues there. Today, they may be more marketable. So now that, that, and that, that makes me think of, I know Apple has recently come out with some sort of watch that is, right. I don't know if it's a smartphone. I, no, I'm, I'm not Mr. High Tech guy. My, my no. son. I'm a late adopter myself. My, my son, who is a teenager, keeps telling me that he wants the, the smartwatch or whatever it is, and we're sort of scratching our head. It looks very Dick Tracy-like yep. to me, for those of us. That, I still have mine. You're, you're, my Dick Tracy. Yeah. Plastic. Okay. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if that catches on and is adopted by uh, enough people to make it a hit. Uh, versus or, or not you yeah. know is, is, is the time right for your smartwatch yeah, exactly and I just thought about how I dated myself by Dick Tracy and some of our younger viewers probably have no idea who Dick Tracy is this this is very possible they, yeah. they should uh, yeah. go out and, and look up Dick Tracy and uh, you know and also uh, there was a, a movie uh, that Warren Beatty was oh, that's right. played Dick Tracy yeah. and now we're dating ourselves date who, again. who's Warren Beatty that's right. so, so anyway uh, well, that's, that's, I appreciate you sharing that and that, uh, interesting information that if you're, if you think you've got the next big idea, you should check out Entrepreneur Magazine and see how it matches up with, with, uh, those characteristics and criteria. Yeah, magazines also has some of the secrets of the most creative companies and what they did to make them special. It's almost like it's almost like Entrepreneur Magazine should be sponsoring us. You know, we, yeah, you know, I we, think we're, that's we're giving true. them a lot of press. Do you, do you ever listen to uh, the Prairie Home Companion on uh, public radio? You know, no. Somehow they got ketchup to sponsor them. You know, I, oh, wonder, really? I wonder if there's some condiments out there that are available to sponsor us. You know, mayonnaise. It's possible. Mayonnaise. mayonnaise. Maybe. I like mayonnaise. Uh, so there you go. I mean, you know, we're... Hellman's. We're, we're kind of mayonnaise kind of people. <laughs> so anyway, well, let's, let's bring our guest into the scintillating conversation. I think that sounds like a good idea. Uh, we're very fortunate to have with us today Russ Siegel. Uh, who, uh, as I mentioned, operates the premier entrepreneurship group, and he works out of Cullowee, North Carolina. And I'm not sure how much time he spends in Cullowee, North Carolina, because he actually travels all over the state working with small business groups on marketing ideas and social media and finding ways to, to promote and grow their business. So, uh, Russ, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Well, we're very, we're very we're excited much, you're with us. We appreciate you joining us today. And and let's let's get into marketing because uh, when you're starting a small business, you get all excited about I've got a product, I've got a service, maybe I've got I've, I've built uh, or rented my office, I've got all these things to go. But ultimately, if you can't get your message out to people and let them know that you're there and explain what you offer them and don't have enough customers, it's not going to work. So so Mark times overlooked or or not given the attention it needs by startups and small businesses. Now, back in my day, uh, when I went to uh, to business school, they always told me there were four P's in marketing. But you talk about five P's. What are what are your five P's in marketing, and and how do they fit into the marketing mix? Well, Jeff, your four P's and my four P's are probably the same. They four P's when I went through uh, uh, marketing courses in, in school, and and it really starts with the product. Is this something that solves a problem? Is it something that people want? Is it something that they need? I mean. 
no matter what we do, we really only sell two things. We sell a solution to a problem or we sell a good feeling. And if a company can do both of those things, it's a home run. And typically the second P, because, you know, marketers like everything to start with the same letter. We like everything to look good and <laughs> uh, all be the same. So the second P is, is price. And small businesses typically don't think of price as a function of marketing. But your price really does say something about what you're selling. If you're trying to sell a Hyundai at a Mercedes price, people are going to look at you funny. But the same token, if you're trying to sell the Mercedes at the entry level car Hyundai price, that people are going to wonder, does it have an engine? Does it have brakes? All those things. And so your price communicates to your customers uh, something of value. And, and a, the price really does have to be a, a balancing act. It has to be attractive to the customers, but it also has to be profitable for you. I think um, that's an interesting point because a lot of times when people are coming out with a new product, they want to be low priced to get in the market, but they're sending the wrong message or an inconsistent message. Right. I mean, we've we've been Walmartized in this country. We we think that everything has to be the lowest price, and that's just not true. Um, but the third P is place. Now, there's an old saying that success in real estate depends on location, location, location. And it's just as true today as it ever has been. But today, our location can be virtual. So our place is just a, a matter of how do we get our product or our service to our customers? And are we in places where they are looking for us? If they're looking for us on the web, we need to be on the web. If they're looking for us in the yellow pages, as antiquated as that is, and, and yes, they still make those books. Uh, there's a pile of them at my post office now. They're begging people to take them. But if people are looking for you there, that's where you need to be. So then the fourth P, and this is where we usually stop, or we used to stop, Jeff, uh, back in the good old days, <laughs> is promotion. And a lot of people think of marketing as advertising, but advertising is just a small slice of the promotion pie. And I hear people talk about uh, free advertising. Well, <laughs> there's no such thing as free advertising because by definition, if you pay for it, it's advertising. If it's free, it's publicity. And so that's why I'm not a big believer in word of mouth. You can't really control it. You can get good of word, good word of mouth, and that's extremely valuable. But what if you get bad word of mouth? Well, then it all comes down to the last P, the newest P on the block, and I think it's the most crucial, and that's our people. We can have a great product at a great price, distribute it well, uh, have all the flashiest promotions with the best slogans, and and spend the most money on advertising. But if if somebody calls, and a crabby person answers the phone or if they see a frowning face when they walk in the front door, or if we present ourselves as not being people friendly, and there are plenty of those out there, everything else we've done is a waste. So we have to have people who have product knowledge, uh, uh, empathy for the customer, understand the problem that we're solving, and know how to make people feel good about that. And I think when you look at a company that, that really does all those things, you, you have to look at the Apple stores uh, Apple, and I'm an Apple guy, uh, does a great job solving problems and making people feel good about it. Disney does the same thing. I mean, they make you feel good about standing in that long line out in the hot sun all day long with your screaming kids who just want to ride this 30-second ride. And, and so they, they solve the problem about where to go and what to do, and they make you feel pretty good about it. And I think any company can do that. Well, and, and I know some of the folks I work with who are in startup mode, sometimes the people is just them. 
so I think some of the characteristics you're talking about in terms of being able to present yourself in a, a friendly, professional manner become very critical to your small business success. It's not like if you're having a bad day, you don't want your customers to know that. You have to present the right face, and, and for some people, that's more difficult than others. Yeah, some, some days it's just acting. <laughs> you, know, you, you don't feel good. You don't want to be there and you don't want to deal with these difficult customers. We all have days like that. And we, we sometimes will have a customer or a situation that rattles us. And we, we have a hard time transitioning to the next customer who had nothing to do with that situation. Uh, but, but we have to just act like we like that person and, and move on. And oddly enough, if if we act friendly, we start to become friendly. I can't, I can't teach people to become friendly and like people. So if you're going to hire somebody, hire the friendly person and then teach them <laughs> the skills that you need because they can have the skills, but if they're not friendly, you're, you're fighting a losing battle. So important point, err on the side of friendliness when it comes to your hiring decisions. You bet. And I see too many entrepreneurs who start businesses where they have to deal with people and they just rather not. Yeah, so I think entrepreneurs, when, when they start up, need to start taking stock of how, how they interact with people and what kinds of people they want to interact with. Michael Port wrote a great book called Book Yourself Solid. I highly recommend it for service organizations, professional services. But in that book, Michael Port talks about what he calls the red velvet rope policy. He says, if your business is an exclusive club, who's on the list? Who gets behind the red velvet rope? And a lot of us go into businesses where we have to deal with people we wouldn't normally let behind the red velvet rope. So when we start up, we really need to start taking stock of who we want to interact with, who we want to spend most of our time with, because we're going to spend more time with our employees and our customers in the early going than we are our family. So let's, let's start thinking about who needs to get behind that red velvet rope. You know, customer service will be much, much better if we're dealing with people we want to be around. What was the name of that book again? Rush? It's called Book Yourself Solid book by yourself. Michael Port. Okay. All right. That's a good tip there. So, so you talk to a lot of folks about small business, work with various groups and small businesses, and, and you've sort of seen some myths that you think that people operate under. What are some of the marketing myths that you see out there? Well, one of the biggest myths goes straight to the people issue. And, and it is a myth that the customer is king. Now, we've always heard this bromide. The customer comes first. No, come uh, on. The customer has to come first, Russ. Come on. Well, listen, I, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs who don't take care of themselves, are not in the right business, don't put themselves uh, behind the right red velvet rope, and, and they're miserable. And, and if, you, if you're not healthy, if you aren't in the right business, if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of your customers. In, in my business, my employees were always uh, the king. My deal with them is, look, I'm going to take care of you. You take care of the customers and the customers will take care of me. It's the circle of life. And so I wanted them to know that I had their back. If we take care of ourselves and, and we get plenty of rest, plenty of water, eat the right foods, sounds kind of preachy, I know. But if we take care of ourselves and we take care of our employees, they're going to be the ones who, who treat customers as royalty. So you so got to find, find some balance there or else it's burnout city. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and you know, it's, it's, it's one of those situations where we start a business 
in a technical area where we think we're going to love it, and six months later we hate it. Well, if you work for someone else and you want to quit, that's a fairly easy thing to do. But when you own your own business, who gets your letter of resignation? I mean, you, you can tell the guy in the mirror that you hate this job and you want to quit, but what? he ain't listening. <laughs> you still got to go out and take care of those customers. What's well, a good point. One of the articles in the magazine was talking about the entrepreneur needs to love. They need to hear the word love when they're talking about their product or their business because it is them. And if they don't love it, probably nobody else will. What are some of your other myths that you see on a regular basis out there, Russ? <clears throat> Well, one is the, the better mousetrap fallacy. I see a lot of people say, well, my product is just better. My service is better. But they don't ever communicate that to people. Uh, if you have a better product or a better service, you still have to market it. You have to market it aggressively. And you have to communicate <clears throat> excuse me, the problem that you solve and the good feeling that you create. Otherwise, people are not going to just see it for what it is and buy it. Uh, there was a, uh, and still is today, Misty Cola. You can buy this up in the Northeast, New England. You can still get it in the green glass bottles, and some of your listeners may be familiar with Misty Cola. At one time, uh, at the turn of the last century, it was bigger than Coca-Cola. Uh, prior to 1900, uh, nobody heard of Coke. Uh, I think Coke was starting about 1904, but uh, nobody had heard of Coca-Cola. Everybody was drinking Misty Cola, and their attitude was, our product is better. We don't have to advertise this. We don't have to market it, and they disappeared. The same thing happened to Post Cereal during the Great Depression. They did what a lot of companies do during a down economy. They pulled back on their marketing and advertising. And even though their product was really good, they disappeared. And Kellogg overtook them and has, has not been in the number two spot since the Great Depression. So just because you have something that's better doesn't mean people are going to buy it. Another that kind of goes along with what we were talking er about earlier is everybody thinks that their customers want the best price. And really, our customers want the best value. And it's our job to communicate value to them. We have to communicate that what we sell them is worth more than the money they have. And that causes the exchange. You know, they hand us the money because they want what we have. And, uh, you know, I've got one daughter who, bless her heart, money just burns a hole in her pocket. And I've got another one, the, the youngest daughter. Uh, she buys value. Now, she spends a lot of money when she buys shoes and she spends a lot of money when she buys a purse, but she's thinking, well, how will these look on me when I'm 30? You know, the, the kid's 18 years old and she's, she's thinking ahead because she wants to buy things that are going to last. And, and my wife is the same way in, in a lot of regards. So she wants to make sure she buys quality and value. Well, Russ, I'm, I'm going to make a note here that we're going to have you back in 12 years. Cause I want to know if your daughter is still using the, that purse and those shoes. Okay. I, I will promise you that will be the case. Okay. <laughs> well, we're, we're going to have you back, so you, yeah. you keep track Put of it that. on your calendar. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I do, I, I do think that one uh, critical mistake that a lot of small businesses make is that they think that they must be the low price or or or, or compete on price as their competitive advantage. And when you're a small business, you really just don't have the the resources to to work at those low margins over an extended period of time and, and uh, allow that to be your, your ongoing competitive advantage. You really have to find ways to uh, uh, build that value, as you say, that uh, is going to be more meaningful to your customer over the long term. Yeah, we yeah. talk about here, here, it. And here's a horror story for you. I, I worked with a client several years ago who was 
running a uniform shop, quarter mile from a Walmart. Now, she sold police, fire, medical scrubs, EMS uniforms, you name it. She sold these uniforms and she tailored them. She would uh, mend them. She sold all the uh, accoutrements that went with these. I mean, if you wanted a stethoscope, she'd sell you that. If you wanted the hats or the rain gear, she had that, the, the, the tactical boots, you name it. Full line of products. Her entire marketing strategy was built on being $1 cheaper than Walmart on everything they sold. Uh, number one, Walmart did not sell a complete line of products like she did. They sold scrubs. Number two, you can't out Walmart Walmart. Mm-hmm. You know, she offered a lot of added value that Walmart could not and would not ever provide and never chose to sell that. She lasted about six months. And now that's a lot of inventory. That's a lot of cash. And if you're going to burn your cash, it, it's a lot more fun to just pile it up in the middle of the floor and set fire to it with some lighter <laughs> fluid. It, it, it's prettier that way. <laughs> well, did yeah. she learn her lesson? Did she understand, do you know? I mean, um, she, she worked hard to have value, it, but kind of diluted the message. It, it was a beautiful, beautiful funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Well, good. You know, another important lesson that if you want to burn cash, do it in the middle of the floor. It's right. prettier to do that way. You're, right, you're, right. you're providing you're providing value to our listeners today, exactly. and we appreciate that, Russ. At, or at, better yet, just cut the check, make it out to Russ Siegel. That's S C A G L E. I'll give you my address at the end. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder: you're listening to the Mesh an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. Let's move a little bit to things, move away from myths and move toward things that businesses should be doing. Uh, first off, let me throw this at you. As far as websites go, do all small businesses need websites? Is that uh, the cost of doing business these days? How do you how do you uh, look at it from your perspective? I, I would argue yes, absolutely. Today, having a website, especially in a small business in a rural town, doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get business from that website. But if you don't have the website, it takes you out of the fight before you ever have consideration. You know, Wayne Gretzky said you miss 100% of the shots you never take. If you don't have a website and people are looking for you on the web, you're missing an action. You don't even get considered. So you at least need to have some sort of minimum presence. doesn't mean that you have to pay somebody thousands of dollars to put up a website. It just means that you have to be there and you have to be able to be found. And uh, so I'm, I'm a big fan of doing the lowest cost option first. Do the best thing you can do for the lowest cost, and then you can grow it from there. A lot of people depend on social media rather than having a Facebook. Well, I've seen small businesses have great social media presence. They, they build a huge Facebook following, Twitter following, Pinterest, LinkedIn, Instagram. The problem is they don't own those properties. They're playing in someone else's backyard. And when you do that, you play by their rules. Your website is the only online property that you own, you control, and you can do with it whatever you want to. So it needs to be the hub of your online activity. 
it needs to be the thing that that your social media drives traffic to because you can you can connect with people via email that way you can um, you can get their permission to market to them and that's what Seth Godin says is, is so important today is we're not throwing messages at people we're getting their permission to have a conversation with them and that happens through the website so yes I would argue and I've had a lot of small business owners argue with me over the years that they do not need a website oh, and I would venture to say that a lot of them just don't exist anymore I've, I've got on, one guy right now they're out there, they're out there in the me. yellow pages come on Russ you know ah well you know let me give you an example I've got a young fellow who uh, attended one of my seminars and and he has a body shop he gets 95 percent of his business from a local dealer uh, as their overflow body shop he does a lot of paint work they'll put the fenders on and send it out to him to paint and he's happy with that but if 95 percent of my business were coming from one customer i'd be scared to death so that's dangerous you know what happens when when the person over there at that one customer who likes you gets hit by a train now you're out on the street. You've got to you've got to be able to get the word out to other people. Start diversifying your income streams. You know, he, right now he's in he's in the middle of Niagara Falls. He's got all the work that he can handle with this one dealer. But Niagara Falls didn't start out as Niagara Falls. It started as little trickling streams on up up river. And and entrepreneurs have to build ways to to put water in those streams so that eventually you've got more work than you can handle. Yeah. All right, so we know where you stand uh, on the website, and, and it makes sense. And I and I guess you know from from our perspective, uh, you know, at a minimum, the website often serves as your electronic brochure, and and to some degree legitimizes you. You, you know, when you meet somebody these days, you sometimes uh, you know you get the business card, and well, that's interesting. Uh, when I get home, I'm going to go to their website and learn a little bit more about them. And if they're not there, that 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 you start to wonder. Like I said, I think it makes you just question. And if you have a question, you've got to go someplace different. Yeah. Right. You're not taken seriously these days. I mean, it's 2014. It doesn't cost you anything to put up a website these days. So put one up. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, talking a little further, I know that uh, when you uh, talk with the groups that you, you list, uh, you provide them with a lot of ideas for marketing their business, which don't cost them that much. Which uh, which ones are, are getting the most traction these days with the clients that you're working with? What are what are some creative out of the box ideas that uh, you're seeing for marketing your business without uh, without uh, killing your budget? One of the one of the most powerful things that I have encouraged people to do lately is just to promote yourself as the professional in your industry. Uh, News media, and, and you've written some articles for the local paper there, I know, Jeff, and, and news media is always looking for content, whether it's the, the local uh, radio station, television station, or newspaper. They're looking for people to interview on certain topics, and, and you may think, well, they never have a reason to talk to me. But if you're in the rafting business and they need to talk to someone about tourism, then they may need to talk to you. We'll give you a prime example. Nanahala Outdoor Center is the largest rafting company this side of the Mississippi. They they raft all the major rivers. Uh, they do kayaking adventures, guided trips, and, and you name it. The local news station did a report on the rafting industry. They went straight across Nanahala Outdoor Center in the in western part of North Carolina over to a company in Knoxville, Tennessee, 
and interviewed them. And I thought, well, how foolish of this station to skip over one of the largest employers, one of the largest outdoor companies in Western North Carolina in this part of the, the country. And then I thought, no, wait a minute, I'm, I'm blaming the wrong people here. The company never went to the news station and said, if you ever do a story on rafting, we are the experts. Talk to us. So I had a lady uh, in uh, the eastern part of North Carolina who, who works for a pain management clinic. I threw this idea out to her in a lunch and learn seminar. She went that day and contacted all of the local news stations. This was on a Thursday. On Monday, the doctor that she works for was interviewed by the local NBC affiliate because they needed to talk to a doctor, not necessarily a pain management doctor, but they needed to interview a doctor and they wanted a local doctor. She became a known entity, and this has only been a few months, but now she's been interviewed three separate times by news stations over there simply because she made herself known. If they don't know you're a professional, they're going to interview somebody else, and you're going to be scratching your head wondering, why didn't they talk to me? It's because they didn't know you existed. Another thing that sounds really contrary, and, and I usually have entrepreneurs wince when I tell them this, but it's super powerful, and that is just simply offer a 100% no questions asked, no hassle, money back guarantee. If you're not happy, you don't pay. Uh, if you're not happy with this, I'll, take, I'll, I'll give you your money back. The longer the guarantee, the longer the warranty, the fewer the complaints, the fewer the returns, the more money we make because word gets out that we believe in what we do. Uh, and and yeah, we try to we try to live by that. We've had that's been our policy here at the Entrepreneur Exchange podcast since its inception. That if uh, people aren't satisfied with it, we we provide their money back. We do. So we get the value I, that they pay for. I love that. <laughs> and, and 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 since I subscribe to your podcast, I know how valuable that is. Well, uh, we, thank you very much. No, we we, we we try to walk the walk here, Russ. Come on. <laughs> What what are some of the other uh, uh, strategies that uh, you uh, suggest to folks that have been effective? Well, two things that sound very old school, but, but they're they're extremely powerful and very relevant. Number one is get an eight hundred number. If you do business outside of your local calling area, yes, eight six six eight seven seven eight eight eight. Those are all toll free numbers, but nobody remembers those. So the folks out there getting one eight seven seven cute name get lost in the shuffle. I would rather have an 800 number and seven random digits than an 877 or 866 number with a cute name behind it. Uh, because a lot of times people are dialing from a cell phone or a smartphone that may not even have those letters on the, on the keypad. So yes, they still exist. And so I would, I would just caution people, if you're going to get a toll-free number, go for an 800 number. And number two, on your website, please get your own domain name. It costs you anywhere from 10 to $15 a year, depending on the type of domain you have. And those are now priced by popularity. Uh, they, they use algorithms to say, you know, this, this looks like it's going to be a really popular uh, domain name. It's, mm -hmm. it, it's pretty broad. So it's going to cost you a little bit more, but still, if you can't afford $15 to, to buy a, a domain name, why are you in business? Yeah. So go ahead and get the domain name and get a .com. Yes, there's dot tv.info.org. But if you were to put your name, if you're to put your website on a billboard, people have about six seconds to process that website. And when they get home, they may remember your domain name, but they're going to put in .com automatically. They're never going to remember the .gov or the .info or the 
TV or whatever it is. So go ahead and get the dot the, the com, even if it's not your name dot com. I think that's important. Uh, Keep it simple and easy for the customer, right, the potential right. customer. Well, and, 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 and everybody wants their name dot com. Well, I'm in the car business. I want cars dot com. Well, the people who go to cars dot com, which you couldn't afford to buy these days because it is it's so broad and it's so popular and but it's a tire kicker website, no pun intended. It's for people who just want to go there and look at things about cars. Now, if I'm selling parts for uh, Volkswagen Beetles built in the 1970s, I may have a website called vintagevwparts.com because I know that the people who are looking for vintage VW parts are going to be serious about it. They're more likely to buy. They're going to be stickier. They're going to stay around on the website longer. They're not just kicking tires and poking around on the web. They're there for a reason. And that's what's called a long tail uh, domain or a long tail keyword. When we start calling our domain or our website something that people are actually looking for, like DisneyVacations.com or uh, HickoryHotDogs.com, something like that that people are going to be looking for, we're going to find a lot more success on the web. Sounds good. Well, tell you what, you've, you've provided us with a lot of uh, good ideas and information. If people want to find you out there on the Internet, uh, how are they going to find you? I, I'm, I'm really hoping it's a dot-com, uh, Russ. Come on. It is a dot-com. Oddly enough, it is. It's premierentrepreneurshipgroup.com. And I'm going to give you a little, uh, give a little gift to your listeners. And that is, if you go to premierentrepreneurshipgroup.com slash entrepreneur exchange podcast, long, long stuff. So yes, I'll speak slowly. Write this down, premierentrepreneurshipgroup.com slash entrepreneur exchange podcast. It's going to pop up a free gift just for listeners of this podcast. And it's going to be some time management, actually not management. It's going to be some time control tips. Inventory gets managed, time gets controlled, and it's it's going to help our listeners use their time in in better ways uh, to to become more successful. It's going to help them work less, make more money, and have a more fulfilling life. Well, that's a pretty bold statement. I, I hope you're giving a, a money back guarantee package. on that one, buddy. There, there is a full money back guarantee on that. If they read that and don't like it, I will give them their money back. All right. Well, we're going to hold you to that. Well, Russ, we very much appreciate you joining us, and we always end our uh, our podcast by highlighting a small business that uh, we've come across in our travels or our readings that uh, we'd we'd like to uh, uh, shout out, and and because they're doing something interesting. And uh, you have a small business that you'd like to share with us this month. I sure do. I sure do. You know, this time of year, uh, we're seeing the leaves turn, and and. Western North Carolina is beautiful this time of year. Well, I, it's beautiful any time of year, but but we have a lot of tourists who come over to this type uh, this this area to to look at the leaves, to drive the beautiful mountain roads, and one of my favorite businesses is very near and dear to my heart is in Bryson City, North Carolina. It's called the Filling Station Deli and Sub Shop. The Filling Station Deli and Sub Shop is owned by uh, Barry and Helene Tetro. Uh, years and years in the restaurant business, came to sleepy little Bryson City and opened up a sandwich shop. It has an automotive theme. Their sandwiches are 
uh, named after cars and car parts, and they, they have the Italian Turbo, which is great. They, they offer a, uh, a wide variety of sandwiches, and they're fantastic. My favorite thing about this little restaurant now is their new dessert offerings. Their ice cream sandwiches, like nobody has ever made before, <laughs> they are uh, ice cream, soft serve ice cream blended in different flavors on sheet cookie uh, cut into the, the shape of a sandwich. I mean, they're huge. My wife and I have to split one. They're so big, but they come in hard top and convertible. And the hard top <laughs> has the two sheet cookies on it. And the convertible is just the one sheet cookie with the soft serve ice cream, but it's fantastic. If you're ever in Western North Carolina, make a trip to Bryson city and see Barry and Helene over at filling station. They'll fill you up. Well, you've convinced me. How far is Bryson city from here? Two hours. Two hours. But Jeff, this time of year, the drive is going to make it seem uh, very short. That's right. So beautiful. You're, you're this time. enjoying it. Gary, what's, uh, what small business are you going uh, to uh, tell us about today? Mine's interesting. Uh, I'm usually talking like Russ on food, but my small business of the month is Mad Vapes, which is an e-cigarette company located in Mooresville, North Carolina. Its founder, Mark Hugendron, was trying to quit smoking and along the way created a multi-million dollar business. I think you've done that a time or two, Jeff. Not quit smoking, yeah, but yeah. created successful businesses. Exactly. Mark was a computer programmer, but tried everything to quit smoking, but nothing worked. So in 2008, on a whim, he bought an e-cigarette. Half hour later, it fell apart. So he decided to make his own, solve a problem. Today, he owns a 22-store e-cigarette retail chain that spans six states and is expected to have $40 million in revenue this year. He has 118 employees and hasn't touched tobacco in years. He sells a variety of flavors from amaretto to wintergreen, along with thousands of accessories. I think his store is like an upscale type store, similar to a Starbucks uh, of e-cigarettes. His business is growing rapidly and he's excited, but he's being very careful because he doesn't want the business to go up in smoke. Oh, oh that was that. That's, <laughs> are, are you done? Uh, one more <laughs> for all of our viewers uh, and listeners. Uh, he started his business in a garage. Does it sound familiar? And grew to a $40 million business. Well, that's pretty significant. Yeah. So, all right. I'm excited about it. Even though I don't smoke, I was excited to learn about Mad Vape. Okay. Well, that's good. You don't smoke, but you're good with the puns. There you go. Thank all you. right. The, uh, the business that I want to highlight, actually, I, I uh, saw a little article on them last month. It's a company that's called Street Smart Brand which is dedicated to designing high fashion clothing and accessories that integrate advanced technology into them. And what uh, attracted to me is that they've come up with a product called the Smart Wallet, which is a Bluetooth-enabled leather clip wallet that you can pair with your smartphone. So it will help you if you're an absent-minded person to not lose your wallet. Once uh, you pair it with, the, with their app, the two are always on the lookout for each other. So if you leave your wallet at a restaurant, your phone will ding with a notification that will clue you that you're leaving your wallet behind. And if you go out of range, about 150 feet, the app will store the wallet's last known GPS coordinates so you can go back and find it later. It even has a built-in speaker to help users locate it under piles of clutter. They're actually currently doing a Kickstarter campaign which it looks like they're going to make. I think they're going to raise somewhere between thirty-five dollars and $40,000 last uh, I checked on it. So uh, sort of a cool product that say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm unfortunately one of those people that has left their wallet behind before. And, uh, you know, this sort of thing uh, just 
uh, sort of said, hey, this uh, this sounds like a, a cool idea. So it sounds like a Christmas present for me. I'm very good at losing my phone and wallet. So well, will they go. ding each other? I, I'm not sure, but that's very possible. So you should check them out. And there you can find more about them at uh, HTTP uh, streetsmartbrand.com. They went with the .com. I guess they're, they're, they listen to us. To us. They yeah. listen to us. So uh, the name of the product is Smart Wallet. The name of the company is Street Smart Brand, and uh, you should check them out. I like it. So I'll anyway, take a dozen. You'll take a dozen. Well, <laughs> go look at the price first. But uh, you, you know, it's it's not. I would not call it the stop a, a stocking stuffer, but uh, you know, it, it might be worth uh, giving it a look at. So anyway, well, Russ, we very much appreciate you joining us today and sharing some of your marketing ideas with us, and and. We might ask you back before 12 years, but we know we've, we've got you down for uh, uh, October of... Uh, 2016. Or 26. Or 2026. Yeah, 2026. It's already on the Google Calendar. All right. So our children might be hosting the podcast at that time, <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll see if we have you. Anyway, so Gary, thank you very much. Thank you as always, Jeff. All right. Well, uh, we appreciate everyone listening, and we look forward to talking to you again next month with the Entrepreneur Exchange. Have a good one. Take care. been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.